your Minnesota Vikings end up beating the New York football Giants at MetLife. Final score of 28 to 10. And I have two main takeaways from this game. Number one, I thought the Vikings, they really used a great sense of balance in the offensive attack. They didn't abandon the run game. Dalvin Cook, he still went off. But you really utilize the passing game, which I thought was really, really smart. I'm just... The only thing that's disappointing is it took both of your receivers to essentially publicly call out the passing game for the coaching staff to say, okay, maybe we should get our high-priced, super-talented receivers involved. And another thing is with Kirk Cousins, who had a bounce-back game, it's very important that he gets involved in the passing game early on so that way he's more comfortable throwing passes over the course of the game instead of okay let's just go run 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 all the time and then much later in the game okay let's start passing where Kirk Cousins he's super stressful he puts a lot of pressure on himself whereas if you get him involved early he'll be more comfortable over the course of the game and number two the second takeaway from this is you beat a team that you were supposed to beat so I don't think this really changes the outlook of the Vikings in terms of the drama and being a laughing stock that you were last week that tempers down this week I don't think you'll get national media attention this week I think instead they'll focus on the Cowboys losing to the Packers or the Chiefs losing to the Jacoby Brissett led Colts at home so okay that's great it takes the pressure off but the next four out of five games will really tell us who this team is because you're going against real competition so you beat a team that you were supposed to be with a rookie quarterback who I like a lot uh, and one of the worst defenses in the NFL so yes you won but okay we won't really know what this team is about until starting next week against the Philadelphia Eagles at home two more things on the Giants front they lost Wayne Gallman early to a concussion I thought that really that really changed the game for the Giants as far as putting more pressure on Daniel Jones to make plays. And then also Jabril Peppers was all over the place. I'm really happy to see him have a second chance at his career because coming out of Michigan, I thought he was going to be a stud right out the gate. And almost immediately, I would say that first year, year and a half in Cleveland, he was really trending towards bust status, but he had himself a hell of a game yesterday, including the forced fumble on Dalvin Cook. He's had a really good season with the New York Giants so far. Now let's start with the defense. The defense, for the most part, outstanding. Daniil Hunter really ended two red zone trips for the New York Giants with two different sacks on both or a sack apiece on both on both occasions. Uh, Everson Griffin was all over the place. He brought consistent pressure, having a sack himself. Hitman and Eric Kendricks. They were outstanding in the passing game, breaking up passes, including a couple of occasions. Maybe it was at least, I think it was at least two, where they both collided on the receiver to break up passes. So that was really good to see. Mike Hughes, take a bow, man. I had very little expectations for Mike Hughes this year coming off of the ACL tear. And I wasn't going to be critical of him at all if he were to struggle. He did struggle before this game against the Giants. But I wasn't going to be critical of him because I said, okay, you need to give him time to get back caught up to speed, to get back in game shape. But, man, this dude, Mike Hughes, had he nearly had two interceptions. He had three pass deflections. And the key one that he had was in the end zone against the Giants' best receiver. I'm surprised they didn't get Golden Tate involved all that much. But he had a key pass breakup against their best receiver up to this point, Sterling Shepard 
in the end zone. So Mike Hughes was the best cornerback on the field for the Vikings. Anthony Barr, he capped the game off with an interception in zone coverage. Anthony Barr can be okay in the pass coverage as far as making plays in the passing game. When he's playing man-to-man, that's where it can be a disaster. So that interception that he had, he was in zone coverage, and he was all over the place bringing pressure. He had a sack that got called back off of a penalty. And then also he made another key play in that game, which brings up the double R play of the game. Blitz coming, and a safety. Anthony Barr, the linebacker, busting. So there's really not much to say about this play because damn near as soon as the ball is snapped, Anthony Barr ballets his way around the offensive lineman, really just finesses his way around the offensive lineman, almost immediately gets into the backfield and tells the running back to sit your ass down for the safety. So that was really incredible. And what's really important about this play was this was damn near immediately after the forced fumble on Dalvin Cook that Jabril Peppers had in which we got into the red zone. We were probably going to get six points or worst case settle for three points. Instead, you settled for no points. You turned the ball over. But Anthony Barr got the safety immediately and got you two points anyway. That play, I would say Mike Hughes and Anthony Barr were the co-defensive players of the game. But that particular play, the safety by Anthony Barr, was the double R play of the game. Now that we're done with that, damn near. And one last thing, actually, Trey Waynes, I thought besides the defensive pass interference, which was obvious, I don't know why. Can someone please take the challenge flags away from Mike Zimmer? He doesn't know. Mike Zimmer is the most efficient head coach in the league at dumbass challenges. And if he's, I think, I swear to God, he throws the challenge flags off of emotion instead of evaluating or consulting with the other folks upstairs in the booth. Or if he is consulting with folks upstairs in the booth, then they should be fired because there's no way he's so awful at challenges. But outside of that defensive pass interference call, I thought Trey Waynes was fine. He had a very good pass defense in the end zone. So I thought he was relatively okay. So for the most part, damn near every starter on defense was amazing. That is, except for Xavier Rhodes. And what's interesting is all the times that I've suggested that even in the offseason, immediately after the 2018 season, y'all killed me. Facebook and Twitter, y'all came after me. Y'all came after me hard because I said that the Vikings, they should trade Xavier Rhodes. He fell off the cliff. He was the worst cornerback on the Vikings in 2018. He was one of the worst cornerbacks in the league in 2018. I'm not so sure that he's going to bounce back in 2019. You should trade him now to get something for him. And y'all killed me. Hardcore. Randy, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know football. Xavier O's, he's still one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He's the best cornerback on the Vikings roster by far. Xavier Rhodes, at best, is the fourth best cornerback on the Vikings team right now. He's worse than Mike Hughes. He's worse than Trey Waynes. I would take an injured Mackenzie Alexander that can't play over a healthy Xavier Rhodes right now. Let's review Xavier Rhodes' game yesterday. He gave up a 35-yard touchdown to a rookie. He gave up another reception with a horse collar penalty to follow. He gave up another reception to Evan Ingram in which he played like eight or nine yards off of him in soft coverage. Didn't really make any attempt to play in pass coverage at all. And then he also had an illegal 
contact in that game. Xavier Rhodes is utterly useless for the Minnesota Vikings. So where are y'all at now? Everybody that came after me and said that I'm an idiot, where are you guys? Because I don't really hear anything. It's hard to find. I need to hire Doherty Explorer to find y'all silent asses. I really, really do. And another interesting thing is for everybody, all the national media talking heads, those people that got a media degree or got a degree in broadcasting, those that are in some sort of uh, professional position where you guys really just shit on independent bloggers and YouTubers like myself as saying, you guys don't know anything. You guys don't have the football knowledge. Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman get paid millions of dollars to put the best team together the best roster together to execute the best roster that you possibly can how is it that i knew that you were better off trading xavier Rhodes, who is 13.3 million dollars against the cap this year how is it that i knew that you were better off trading xavier Rhodes before you guys or before the head coach before the general manager those guys that get paid an arm and a leg they get paid millions of dollars me i do this for free i do this as a hobby how is it that i knew this ahead of them and mike zimmer don't yell at xavier rhodes when he gave up that touchdown to that rookie i think his name is darius slayton don't yell at xavier rhodes that's your boy that's the boy that you swore up and down was best to be on this team to give you the best chance to win he is 13.3 million dollars against the cap to be absolutely horrible and there's no dispute in that forever and if you are surprised by oh he wasn't healthy last year he's healthy now oh my god what you if you are surprised by xavier rose being completely terrible that is a you problem now let's go to the offense dalvin cook he went off as expected nothing to talk about there adam thielen i've said this before and i will say it again Adam Thielen is the second coming of Larry Fitzgerald. He does everything. He's kind of like Tim Duncan. Larry Fitzgerald doesn't, not really flashy or sexy as a wide receiver. He just does everything you need from a minimal standpoint from the wide receiver position. He does everything you need for a wide receiver at the highest level in the NFL. His route running is superb. His ability to catch, his hands are amazing. And then his ability to add lib to where he can adjust his body, adjust his hands, the way he can keep his feet in bounds on the sidelines. He really does everything necessary to catch the football to where, okay, if he doesn't catch the football, it, the football, it's on him, not necessarily because the secondary made a play on the ball. He's one of the best receivers in the league, and there's nothing to it. And what's interesting is back in, I think this was in 2016, where I believe they played the Titans, and this was really Adam Thielen's coming out party, I believe it was. I think it was against the Titans, but I can't remember. Either way, he replaced, I believe, Charles Johnson. He was down with some sort of injury, and Adam Thielen came in and took off right away. And I called into Vikings Vent Line immediately, and I said, Adam Thielen should start opposite Stefan Diggs for the foreseeable future. And actually, before that game, I even tweeted out to, I think it was Phil Mackey or Judd Zolgat, or maybe it was both of them. And I said, uh, Charles Johnson, if he's going to be out, okay, fine. Adam Thielen is going to step in and be productive. Just you wait. And it's still out there. You can find it at realistic underscore Randy. You can just search it. And you'll find it. But I caught it. Adam Thielen should start opposite of Stefan Diggs. And he's been fantastic ever since. He's the second coming of Larry Fitzgerald. B.C. Johnson, we had a B.C. Johnson sighting, super effective. It's nice to see 
three solid wide receivers for the Vikings instead of throwing Laquan Treadwell out there just for the hell of it. So it's nice to see him there. Diggs, Stefan Diggs, he did play. So all the drama was settled. Didn't really have a huge impact on the game. He had about three or four catches in that game. And I think, honestly, I think, honest to God, Stefan Diggs is equally as good as Adam Thielen. He just doesn't see the targets that Adam Thielen does. I think Kirk Cousins, he's always looking to Adam Thielen right away to where, okay, if Stefan Diggs just so happens to be in the vicinity of his vision, then he'll notice him. But I think if Diggs were, if Diggs and Thielen were both to share targets, I think they will both be equal in production. So hopefully we get it going. You went up against one of the worst secondaries in the league in the New York Giants. So I think against better defenses, you're going to have to split it between those two. Pat Elfline, you know what? I'm not ready to hop off the Pat Elfline train, but I will say this. I am I'm really close to joining the anti-Pat Elfline crowd. He gave up a sack. He had a holding penalty. And the reason why I'm not as down on Pat Elfline as I will say this, this Pat Elfline, if there's someone better, if Brett Jones, if he's better, he should play ahead of Pat Elfline. But the reason why I'm not so down on Pat Elfline is because I swear to God, I remember Matt Khalil like it was yesterday to where every single play, bro, every single freaking play was hold your breath. Oh my God, just get out of there. Teddy Bridgewater, do the best that you can because Matt Khalil is your left tackle. Is not the same with Pat Elfline because he still makes plays. That's the crazy. He still makes plays. He's not getting bulldozed every single play like Matt Khalil did. But there are far too many occasions where I'm saying, okay, I, I guess I'm starting to see it now. You're starting to get outmuscled by interior defensive linemen. So you got to get better there. Garrett Bradbury, I'd like to see him improve, but he's a rookie. You can only expect but so much. And then besides the stupid dumbass challenge by Mike Zimmer with the, uh, you know, the obvious defensive pass interference call on Trey Waynes, I will say this, Kevin Stefanski, if I'm going to nitpick on some, I think for the most part, 99% of the game, he called a brilliant offensive game, balanced attack between passing and running the football. But here's what I'm going to say. I believe this was the second to last possession before the end of the first half. You're, it's first and goal at the uh, Giants' two-yard line. All you had to do was hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook. That's all you would have done, and that's all you had to do, and you would have scored a touchdown. Instead, you forfeited four points. You had to settle for a field goal. First down, you go to a pass incomplete. Second down, you give the ball to Dalvin Cook, but it's more of a, a pitch play to where he's running outside on the edge. That was stupid. And then Kirk Cousins on third down settled for a sack. All you had to do, you pulled a Pete Carroll. All you had to do was hand the ball off to Dalvin Cook and you would have been fine. So you can't have these gaffes in play calling like you did the last couple of games. So that was really the only thing to really go after Kevin Stefanski uh, for. But other than that, again, big picture, this doesn't really change anything, the outlook for the Vikings. It it tempers the pressure on them that they had last week. Okay, woo, you don't got to worry about that pressure can go to other teams. But now you're going up against the Eagles. The next four out of five games is really going to tell us who this team really is. You're going against legit competition in which Mike Zimmer struggles against winning teams. We talk about Kirk Cousins and his record against winning teams. Mike Zimmer isn't that much better, folks, for real. So we do this three times a week. 
Mediocre Best Sports Podcast with Realistic Randy. Check me out on Twitter at Realistic underscore Randy. Facebook at Realistic Randy. The next podcast will be on Wednesday. The podcast after that will be on Thursday, previewing the Vikings versus Eagles at home at U.S. Bank Stadium before I fly out to Minneapolis on Friday to be in attendance for that game. We'll see you then. Bye.